Welcome to the New Jersey History Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Whitfield Banner. I love using my middle name. It makes me sound important. We're going to be doing a different type of video today or podcast episode where I'm going to be talking to one of my former students, Josh. He'll introduce himself in a minute. We're going to be talking about history as a discipline. Not discipline like sit down, you're, you're being punished to learn history. Discipline meaning as a topic. Like when you're in school, you learn your four major disciplines, history, English, math, science. We're talking about history as a discipline. Josh will also be joining us later on this week or next week when we talk about the Battle of the Toms River Blockhouse in 1782. Later on this week also, I usually have it on Monday, but I don't this week, will be a Jersey Shore Towns episode. I'll have that up either by tomorrow or Wednesday. So Josh, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name's, pleasure. Uh, I'll, I'll do my middle name. My name's Joshua Aaron Chanley. Uh, I had Mr. Banner, as I called him, in uh, eighth grade, um, and we have had a correspondence ever since. Um, I am a graduate student at Monmouth University. I got my undergrad at Monmouth as well, and I got my degree in political science and history, and I'm currently studying history. Um, and when you invited me onto this podcast, and we've been discussing it over the phone, the topic of what history actually is is very important. And I have had taken the class. Uh, we've had, had the same professor, Dr. Kenneth Campbell, and the class was the philosophy of history. And we utilized different philosophers in their understanding of history to, have, to enlighten our understanding of history. And I think that a lot of history buffs, and I don't mean to take shots at history buffs, no. I mean, it's, it's great, but when you're not a student of history, you tend to misunderstand what it means as a discipline and what it means in the grand scheme of life. Um, there's a lot of people who think that history is the end-all be-all, but history is an open-ended discussion. It, it's, never, it's never done, and there's so many things that we still don't know, things that have never been kept record, things have been lost from the record, mm -hmm. things that have yet to be uncovered. I mean, archaeologists have an incredible job of trying to uncover these artifacts and these parts of history, but even they only have so much to go off of to understand and interpret the past. Isn't it, isn't it true that people say that history is written by the winners? Exactly. And there's always that yeah. side that you don't know about, which is why when I teach history, and I know you know this because I know how you are, you try to look at both sides. You know, just because this, like the American Revolution, for an example, for example, I even hate calling it that because yeah. if you look at revolutions, it really wasn't very revolutionary. No, it was, um, it was pretty war. conservative. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was more like a civil war, yeah. if anything, a secession. Yeah, and, was, yeah. and I called the war for independence. So you have to look at things. Uh, many people in America would consider me unpatriotic for thinking that. Exactly. Which that's, that's not the case. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot about history that you learn about, but there's more that you don't learn about. That's why you always have to look at both sides. It doesn't mean that you are saying the other side is right. For example, when I teach Columbus, yeah. you've got to look at it from Columbus's perspective. I'm not saying he was right in what he did. Right. You could look at World War II from the Nazi perspective. Exactly. Why did they have that philosophy? You're not saying Hitler was right in what he did. So there's, there's that part of history. It's not just what you learn. It's, there's always a backstory. I just cut you off. But no, no. I'm, I don't I'm care glad, that I cut no, you off. No, because that's I'm what glad because it's that... that plays into exactly what I was, I was saying. And it's important because people like to idolize different historical figures, it seems. And then they get, become very defensive if you were to criticize or to say, oh, he was this type of person. And when my understanding of history is that you can't look back and say and judge 
who they are. Even in the context of the time, yes, times were different, but people still had morality back then. There were abolitionists before the abolitionist movement. That's always been a thing in, in the foundation of our country. Some of the founding fathers were abolitionists. They were anti-slavery, but they still weren't the most moral people. They didn't necessarily believe in racial equality. Absolutely, exactly. So nothing. But the point is that nothing is so clear. And with that as in like an understanding, I think that for the study of history, it's important to kind of separate yourself and your emotions from the people. Like it's kind of, it's very hard to like not acknowledge like the tall tales or like the just the prowess that some of these figures have. It's very easy to become like uh, very like. Um, emotional towards them and to think that they're like the greatest person to ever have lived but they're just human beings and they have the same level of problems and they're products of their own times and it's just how it happens to be and I've learned to just separate myself and treat history as even though it's not a science try and treat it as a science mm -hmm. you only have a certain number of facts so you have to interpret that data as much as you can and as best as you can and give the most honest perspective but that's what it is at the end of the day is, is a perspective my perspective on Thomas Jefferson will be different from another one's and so on and that's with every single figure that's with every single event and you know history is a story there is a timeline of things but what as I mentioned before what are the things that we don't know about that play into that timeline and it's it's really just this continuous struggle and there's some things we will never know mm -hmm. and I think a couple things hit home when, when you said that. Like I did the one episode about Asbury Park. We were talking about that yes. before before we started recording. I did an episode on Asbury Park about the race riots in 1970. I don't know what it was like to have lived through those riots, yet I talked about it. Right. If I were to talk, to, I, I, I read quotes from people who were there, but there are people living in Asbury now who were still who were there at that time. Yeah. They would have a totally different take on those race riots in 1970, July 4th weekend in 1970, as I would, and I'm giving the podcast on it. Right. Yet here I am talking like an expert. Yet there are people who maybe are in their 70s or 80s right now or even younger who remember that, their take might be totally different because they looked out their windows and couldn't leave their house for five days. Exactly. Total, totally different take on it. Yeah. That's why you really have to open your mind. And I wrote this down. I'm going to say this and I don't want to insult any of the listeners, but I kind of don't care if I do in a way, do you find or do you think that younger or newer generations have a hard time seeing things from the perspective of people who don't live during the time that they live in? I definitely do. And I think it's, it's just a general lack of empathy, which is part of, I just think, human nature for the most part. Empathy really is a gift that anyone can have. It's very hard to have it because if you think about what empathy is, it's really feel, it, empathy is all about feeling an emotion that somebody else has. It's not about sympathy. You can be sympathetic, it's very easy to be sympathetic, it's very hard to be empathetic. So it seems that in this day and age, at least with just social media and the ability to get information so quickly, everybody is now an expert and they think they know everything and they understand these com complexities of, of life. But what they lack is comprehension. They, lack, they severely lack comprehension. So if they were to look at a figure like George Washington, for example, George Washington has many great leadership qualities, but he was also a slave owner. He was racist. He had he, he was he had a lot of hang-ups. He married his wife for her money. Exactly. He was a gold digger. Yeah. I mean, he had he had he was not a perfect person. As many now, let's just say there's two sides. There's some who will look at George Washington and say, 
oh, he's, he's, if you were to doubt him or say that he's anything other than the greatest leader, you are unpatriotic. And then there's the others who will say he's a, a, he's a slave owner, he was a horrible person, he should not be commemorated, and we need to take down statues. Exactly. So the answer lies with neither of them and somewhere in the middle. You have to understand that he is, one, a product of his time. Two, he's from Virginia, so he's going to own slaves. He's of the higher class, he's, so he's going to own slaves. Um, three, he's the president of the United States. Before he was president, he was a general that was struggling to win a war that yeah. seemed unwinnable. I mean, he is a complex person. And it's not about morality. I mean, he had moral components about him, and he rallied his troops, and he was an inspiration to all of them and to a young country. But he was still a man. He still had imperfections. He was still part of an evil institution as slavery. And he couldn't, for the first time in his life, when he was president, when people started to doubt him, he yeah. couldn't handle criticism well. That too. He did not, he was yeah. not used to being openly criticized. Yeah, if we want but to as talk a, As a general, you don't criticize yeah. your leader. <laughs> no way. Now yeah. he's president, he's got people who don't like him. Yeah. He doesn't know how to deal with that. Exactly, and he, and if we if you want to go into like the psychology of him as an individual man, he had a lot of problems. I mean, the, his war stories from uh, the, the Seven Years' War or the French and Indian War, I mean, seeing people's heads get split open by tomahawks and just watching men die one by one, he had to hold down a fort. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit rusty on the history, but I know that he was, I believe he was a lieutenant at the time, and he was in charge of a fort, and it was surrounded by the French, and they starved out most of his men, and he had to surrender. And that was a massive defeating uh, moment in his life. So he had so many different hangups. He probably had PTSD. He had all these different problems. But that's why it is such a complex discussion. It can't be that he's the greatest person on earth or the worst person on earth. He has to be somewhere in the middle because he's a human being. And his, this might sound like I'm, I'm being funny, but I'm not. His teeth alone. Yeah. When he had to wear those dentures, yeah. th there's a good mo a good documentary. It's a docudrama like that acted out on Prime, Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. It's called, I think it's called George Washington. And it was made about two years ago. It shows you during his presidency, him, and I think it's one of his slaves, putting the teeth in his mouth. Right. How painful it was. Like, exactly. I, I know that's, my, I'm, not really, I'm not making fun of him. But just that alone, it's like yeah. physical pain. I'm not saying that that makes up for owning slaves, right. but it's like that's just another thing that we're not used to thinking. If you wear false teeth, you're not thinking of the exactly. pain that this guy went through physically, mm -hmm. like mounted into his palate. Exactly, it's terrible. It's, yeah. it's there's so many different components, and to have one surefire answer that he is one or the other, this or that, is not. It's not. It's not logical. I think if historians actually do that, it's incredibly irresponsible because. We have to look at someone like Washington and say, well, regardless of the type of evils he committed by owning slaves, which was evil, I mean, there's no doubt about that, he was still the president of the United States. He was still in charge of the country. You can't deny that what he did led to where we are today. And, you know, it's, it's important to criticize historical figures. I think it's the most important thing to do. But I don't think anyone really has the power to condemn at least in our context. I mean, there's, of course, certain figures you can condemn, like we say Stalin and Hitler, just because they didn't add anything, really, right, to the right. world. Mm -hmm. But at least in our case, at least with American history, when you look at George Washington, it's like if there was no Washington, there would be no us with this conversation right now. Like, that's how history works. It's so complex, and that's just the way that it is. 
So I'd say keep the emotions out of it as much as you can. It's cool to like say, oh, he was a, a badass. He was cool. He did all these these great things. Right. But it's also important to acknowledge that he was still a human being. He was still a product of his time. And unfortunately, the what the product was was immorality in regards to owning slaves. And that's with almost every founding father. And I, I think the, the part that a lot of people, and I don't want to just say students, what a lot of people don't understand is that if you were if one were in George Washington's position at that time in society, you would have been the weird one if you didn't own slaves. That's too. You, exactly. you, you, yes. would, you would have been the one that, no, what's wrong with this guy? Unless you were a Quaker, like really. Yeah. And even the Quakers owned slaves. Exactly. They, they, they kind of were lax about that. It's, it's, so, it's so complex and it's, it's you know, and, and sometimes you find periods in which it's like, oh, well, there's uh, an exception to the rule, you know. And I, 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 we didn't discuss it before, but we were we were uh, focusing on like the Civil War and about like what is right in the Civil War and the the fact that the South thought that they were right in their fight against the North, mm-hmm. that it was justified. Um, sometimes I look at that and and I do it as a historian, and, I, and I'm troubled with it because I say, well. They fought for slavery. It was in their constitution. That's why they seceded in the first place. So if when I see Confederate flags today, I think how silly of that because that's literally not only is it coming from a place of like you know slavery, but it's also coming from treason. Yeah. yeah. So when I see an American flag and a Confederate flag together, I think well that that's that's like jumbo shrimp. It doesn't make any sense. It's not an actual thing. Those things it's it's oil and water. They don't mix because I, and, and at the same time. I get what those people are trying to say. Like, yeah. like they're using the Confederate flag as limited government. The government can't be tyrannical. Right. But the symbol that you're using, <laughs> use it. Use the "Don't tread on me" flag. Well, yeah. Why does it have to be the Confederate one of the Confederate battle flags? It 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 it, it, it makes no sense to me. Do you have yeah. the right to do it? Fly a Confederate of flag? Course, yes. yes, of course you do, and I'm not going to question that. But I will if I see one flying in my neighborhood. I'm questioning your views on racial. Exactly. Equality, for example, I'm doing it in I New am. Jersey, and it's, in you New see Jersey. it a lot in, in certain townships. I, I mean, I, I think I've seen more here in New Jersey than I have in some southern states, which is pretty interesting. But you know, it. But that's where the the lack of comprehension in history comes into play. The fact that those two flags, the American flag and the Confederate flag, literally don't make any sense together because they went to war with one was born for the sake of fighting the other. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, there are those periods in history where you can say it's. I, I say it's very rare where you can truly say like, no, that's. There's absolutely no justification for a period. There's no understanding sometimes, and I, you can understand, but you can never justify right. in history. That's what I've learned is that with the South seceding, you know, a lot of it was elitist driven. Only about twenty five percent of the population at the time even owned slaves, yeah. but they convinced the rest of the population that well, this is what the economy is based off of. I mean, everyone was growing cotton because that's what everyone was doing. That's how you made the money. But most of them didn't own slaves. But that didn't make a difference because that was part of their their life. That was part of their economy. So when your politicians in the South tell you you need to fight for us and then you have conscription and then you have um, a way to get out of conscription, which was, I believe, six slaves would buy your way out of fighting in the war. Yeah, yeah, if you you could prove that you needed to be home, for example. That as well, yeah, yeah. or having a certain amount of land that you'd have to give up, 
you you see those dynamics that there's it's really an elitist war. It's it's a like a a, a, a rich man's a poor man's fight in a rich man's war. Or, so was the American Revolution. Exactly. I mean, look at Samuel Adams even before the war started. The Sons of Liberty. I mean, they, they planned a lot of which turned violent with protests, destroying private property and everything like that. Mm -hmm. We could talk about that at a different time. But who are the people that they kind of like got to do, carry out the actual Exactly. Action? John Hancock wasn't out there. <laughs> he was out there chopping open tea chests and throwing them overboard in the Boston Tea Party. It, 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 was, it was very similar to that. And I wrote down, when you talk about, for example, the Confederates, most didn't own slaves that they were, you know, they, many were convinced to go right. and fight for the Confederacy. I see that now yeah. with politicians. I'm not talking about one in particular. Politicians now have people convinced that they're one of them. That, exactly. Yeah. What does a billionaire have in common with you? Freaking nothing. Yeah. It's, it's, so you're, 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 you're fighting this war, it doesn't have to be an right. actual war, you're fighting this war even with words or social media, and you're taking the side of people who have nothing in common with you. And they they have all the your time. best interests are in the garbage for them. Yeah. They're using you as a tool. It's a pawn. And, it's a pawn, and, yeah. it's, and I, you see it with a lot of the rhetoric now when, with one side calling the other side either a fascist or right. a communist. And, you know, it's a shame that at least in our day and age, with all the information we have and all the knowledge we should be having, that we can look at those type of, uh, you know, mudslinging and say that that's ridiculous, that's enough, let's have some sort of decency and some sort of standards. Mm -hmm. But it seems that... Standards? What, what are, what are standards? What is that? What I, are standards? I, that, that's a good question. I mean, and you can look at history and say that at least they had somewhat respect for one another or, or in certain areas, but it seems that... Now the gloves are off, and everything has to be a trading of fisticuffs, and it has to be violent. It has to, if it's not physically violent, it has to be verbally violent. You need to use like ad hominems. You need to attack one another, and it can't just be a discourse. So it's like if you were to have a conversation about the Confederate flag and say, "All right, well, this is your symbol that you like. Here's why it doesn't make sense. Here's why it's immoral." Mm -hmm. You have a person who will not understand history, and then attack you. For, because they don't understand their own history. And it seems that conformity is so easy. Oh, it's yeah. so convenient for politicians because you always have a base to go back to. You don't need to, whether you're a multi-billionaire or you're just getting into politics, you know what the base is. Yeah. And they all, it's all the same. And as long as you can convince people that you're their champion. It's like what Plato said. This is why Plato didn't like democracy. He said, with all the chaos of all the people with out any means are in charge amongst the chaos to uh, bring some order they're going to elect a champion and that champion is a tyrant and that's how democracy devolves into tyranny so I don't think that in this country because we have a system of checks and balances we have term limits in our president I don't really think that can happen I do think that we have a bit of an oligarchy with just how we've had politicians for decades yeah. in office mm -hmm. and they are all incredibly wealthy yeah. so like that's a different conversation for another day but and they don't make a lot of money yeah they don't make a lot of money and, yet, yet, they, they get, and when they become elected when they get elected they often don't have a lot of money I mean, yeah. I mean you have to have enough money to leave your job yeah to, to run go campaign, and to go yeah. campaign but they're not as wealthy as they are once they're in office for years exactly so and it seems that everyone's fine with that they have no problem with that and I, I wonder if that's just I mean you understand Monarchies, I think, more than anybody. About I hate democracy. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I yeah. hate democracy. I, I 
I believe in it because yes. I know that because I'm a realist. Yeah. But theoretically, I hate democracy. I am a monarchist. It I, I believe in something. Crazier. I believe in a landed aristocracy with yeah. a monarch. Of course, I think people should have rights, obviously. Right. But, I mean, I'm getting off the topic, but I hate democracy. I, I, I really, on paper, I can't stand it. In the history of democracy, you see a lot of this chaos. And I think that, at least with the American story, what's really remarkable about, remarkable about it is how diverse it is. And mm-hmm. we are the first, I guess, democratic republic, at least the first experiment in this thing of, of democ- democratic republic. And... You know, we see it playing out. At least out. in modern day. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And we see it playing out in certain regards. And I think that at least the goal of American idealism is to have a true country where everyone is equal, everyone is represented, everyone feels that they have a stake in this country. And I can't blame people for not feeling that way. But I think that a lot of that does come from a lack of knowledge of history. I don't think people even know what the Constitution actually is. Oh, God, they, they don't. don't. You see, read, yeah, they see, you see, we the people. And we the people means everybody. Now, at one time, it didn't mean everybody. No, it, meant, it didn't even mean all, all white men. I mean, no. unless you had, you had to be a freeholder, free of land, a free of, free of debt holder of land. If you weren't a freeholder, you couldn't vote. You probably couldn't get established a line of credit. You couldn't do anything. You were a burden on society as far as they were concerned. And only until the mid-20th uh, century did you basically have equal voting for everybody at that point. But you still had restrictions. You still had Jim Crow laws in the South restricting uh, black people from voting. You still had the poll tax. You still had the lynchings that took place, which would prevent people from wanting to go vote because they, they thought they were going to be murdered. There's all these different components that you look at American history and say, wow, like that's really bad. No wonder people don't really have faith in this country and they say this country was never about uh, being equal for everybody. I get that. And I, and I do totally too. Totally get that. And that, I think, as, as historians, it's important that we understand that. But it's also very important that we don't devolve or don't deviate, rather, from what American idealism is, mm-hmm. where it is about equality and representation and justice. So... It's kind of like we have to use these ideas and in the, in, in this metaphysical uh, conception of what America is and work towards that. It's almost like there's an ideal. There's been a glass ceiling for a long right. time. You know that. But it's almost like you know that saying the struggle is real. Yeah. The struggle really is real for yes. a lot of people. And, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna point this out, and I know you'll agree with me. Is I'll speak for myself, even though I'm speaking for you as well. As a white male. Christian, I know you're, you're Jewish, right? mm-hmm. um, but still, we grew up very similarly. Yeah. We are not speaking from a position that other people would be listening to this exactly. from. Exactly. And, and the point is, you have to acknowledge that, which I know you do, and I do. Yeah. A lot of people don't. It's very they hard. They don't understand, or they don't accept that there are people who are living a different reality than you are. Exactly. They don't get it. Now, here I am, like slamming my pen on the thing. <laughs> I'm fidgety because I, this room has no windows, and I'm like, I'm starting to get a little, I'm, like, I'm in prison or whatever. But yeah, I, I think that especially with social media, people, I think, pigeonhole not only themselves into groups. Mm-hmm. When it comes to topics, we're talking about history, but I read something on the TikTok, the TikTok, because I'm 90, I say the TikTok. Um, I read something that because of the Roe versus Wade, and we're, we're not, we know we're not, getting, we're not getting into that, but scrap the Constitution. It's... Exactly. What, the, what are you talking about? It's always about? extremes. It's always extremes. It, it, it's just, and, and they, people need yeah. to just stop it. If they only knew that in the Constitution, it gives them the actual power, the people the power, to make things right, mm-hmm. that's how we've been doing it 
I mean, except, except for the Civil War, which that was a necessity because the South was not going to give up their way of life, we don't need to devolve into another civil war. We have the means as citizens to actually make the country a better place. And that happens through electing leaders on both the local, state, and federal level. It seems to me that because of a lack of understanding of history and a lack of understanding of civics and civic responsibility and civic duty, people rather say, oh, I live in a fascist country or oh, I live in a communist country, I need to vote for this person because they're the lesser of two evils and it's just the only way. And it's just this endless cycle of just dogma mm -hmm. that puts us in this perpetual state of like imprisonment. And we are imprisoned like mentally, emotionally, and politically to the same people who put us in these problems in the first place. The same people who voted on these same you know, bills that, ins that imprisoned minorities at record highs and then put all the money into the prison industrial complex or that took away or that didn't establish a, a, a legal grounding for abortion in this country. Now that's taken away by the courts. It's all these different things are all part of history. Mm -hmm. And you can see how we wound up to this point. Why do we still, in the 21st century in this country, why do we have such racial tensions in mm -hmm. this country? Why is the idea, the concept of race, even though race is a, a social con construct, it doesn't exist. You can't prove it. It's it, the ethnicity, sure, where you whatever, but race is not a thing. Yet we still talk about it as if it is a thing, because for many people, it's a very real thing, and it's sad because it should be. No, there's only one race. It's the human race. Mm -hmm. You know, we all bleed the same color. We all. It doesn't matter. We all come from the same place. You know, all from you know millions of years ago. So the fact that we can't divert from those archaic concepts now and that even to this day it's still a part of our lives it's it's a sad reality but it's it's an even worse reality for people who are struggling and that do deal with it on a daily basis i think i think the word i just wrote down writing a lot of stuff down here um anybody else write things down and then you don't look at like half the things you write down <laughs> but, um you were use the word archaic like this archaic yeah. idea of of race being like a thing that other than being the human race yeah there are people, and I would, I'm not mentioning parties or anything like that, there are people in this country who would make the argument that there is only one race. Mm. Yet, those people, the other side, accuse of being archaic in many other ways. Right. So it's, does, 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 yeah. that, does that make sense? It does, and it, it seems as if, once again, with like my, my point about having access to internet, everyone's an expert, it's like everyone's a know-it-all, but they don't comprehend what they're reading and what yeah. they're reading for the most part is whatever Google or whatever search engine they use whatever the first thing is it's not like an actual academic paper it's not a history book it's just whatever comes to mind it's Bob's internet site yeah but like, like if, if I'm typing up something like um, examples of racial inequality and I keep correct me if I'm wrong you know computers better than I do if I keep typing that up doesn't the internet suggest those things to me? Yeah, if you if you click on certain like things that like are interest of like to you personally, then it will give you suggestions that are like that article or whatever you pulled up. So you're it's just it's literally reinforcing a bias that a person so would otherwise have. What I could do is then I could find which one best fits what I already think. Exactly. And then say, Oh, I read it, I read that in whatever, where'd you read it? Bob's internet site. Who's Bob? Yeah. And, and then you I become, made a podcast. Yeah. If I can make this podcast, anybody else can make one. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. and, and, and I mean, just think about that. 
and that's the that's the problem and that's what people consider being informed is you know that's what they they look at knowledge to be now it doesn't seem to be about discourse or understanding that you're wrong or you know you misunderstood something you know that's what history is all about history is not a science it's it's not even really a social science yeah. it's an interpretation it's more like a philosophy to understand the past and to say well we have this and we have an understanding of this but what does it mean in the greater context but you can't use it to predict predict the future yeah. either you know it's like we know don't touch a stove when it's hot a, a simple thing that you know, might seem like, well, what's, how's that have anything to do with history? Well, if we don't have fire, we don't have heat, we don't have lights, we don't have anything, we have nothing. But it took some, you know, some, like, a, a human species to burn himself in fire to know not to touch it. You know, now that's not recorded history, perhaps, but we know that we got to a point where we know not to touch fire. Somebody had to figure it out. Yeah. You know, okay. why is it that you know what that rosemary and thyme are fine to use, but not certain berries in the forest? Like, how, how do you know these things? Like, I think we're getting to a point, though, in our, in our, at least the history of the world, that morality is at the forefront. Like, we want to be as moral and as just as possible. Virtue is there. The problem is, is there's a lot of people who are like sophists. Like, they, they claim to be the most moral, but they believe in double standards, and they are just massive hypocrites. Or they're just not virtuous at all. And you can see that with all the politicians, in my, in my personal opinion, just because of the disconnect between them and the people and, and, their, and their constituents. So I think that we've lost sight of what virtue is. We know that we need to be moral. We know, we sort of know right from wrong, but people are willing to believe in double standards if that means that they could be moral. And they could only be moral if their friends or the strangers that follow them and look at them and observe them think that it's moral. Yeah. It's all about the crowd. It's mm -hmm. not about having integrity and being true to oneself. It's about what can I do to shape my image that it could be accepted by the whole. I'm going I'm to jump in here because there's a difference between being virtuous and wanting to be right. Yes. Absolutely. I want to be right all the time. There's a, t there's a total difference about that. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to my stepfather. Um, my mother gets annoyed when he does this, but he'll be having a conversation. He pulls out his phone and he's looking things up. Right. Because he want, he, he's, he's, he's checking that, that person. And he's not doing it in a pedantic way. He's not trying yeah. to prove them wrong. He's just adding to the conversation. But people will do what he does, but look for things that just validate what they and already that's the think. Problem. Yes. And, and, and that, that's that, that's that's not the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. And I know, I mean, I'll say this right now, Josh and I talked a little bit before, we talked like an hour and 10 minutes before yeah. because we were just talking, and I was talking about my podcast and how, remember I said about how I watched that one podcaster that I really like? Yes. Um, it's called Lore, he's, he's great, Aaron Mankey is his name. I'm not being paid to say that, I don't, I'm not doing advertisements. But I watched a tutorial about podcasts that, that he made, and I'm saying, wow, my, 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 my podcast must suck. Because everything he's saying not to do, I do it. But then we're so talking, I really don't care. Yeah. My point in saying that right now is what we're talking about right now, there may be people who don't like it and stop listening to the podcast. I don't care. Because my, my goal with this is not to be, make you think I'm right, right and only have people who agree with me listen to this podcast. Yeah. My, my goal, especially this episode, is to make people think about history. You learn about New Jersey history. We talk about it. it's fun, it's cute. When I first started the podcast, I just wanted people to have fun with the state in which they live. You don't have to live in New Jersey to watch a podcast, listen to the podcast, you know that. 
But now with this conversation, I really hope people start listening to any podcast or read whatever book or something on the internet with a different um, mindset, if you will. Yeah. Like just open, people claim to be so open-minded, but often they really aren't. Yeah. All right, I'm Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you added that because it, like when I'm in class, I, I mean, it, it, I shut my heart off and turn my brain on for the most part and just let it like, just listen and absorb. Mm -hmm. And then when the conversation happens, I kind of like to keep the heart off because it's sometimes very hard to keep emotions out of things. And so easy to become emotional. So you don't easy. want to be in class with the heart on. <laughs> That's true. Keep the heart off. No, keep, keep the heart off. Um, but, you know, it's, it's important to have that sense of, of morality and then you bring that with you wherever you go. And, you know, when you want to reinforce your own ideas, though, it's important to understand that what Socrates says, I know that I know nothing. We don't really know yep. everything. And a lot of the things that we talk about, and especially as historians, it's, it just seems to me like it's, it's all just created. We, we gave it a purpose. The reason why it's history in the first place is because some other historian felt it to be important enough to talk about it and to write it down and to have a record of it. So what about all the things that don't exist? So it's really important to just keep an open mind, but don't allow like one's emotions to get in the way of things because it's very hard to think that everything you've heard throughout growing up is like wrong. You know, I had a very different mindset in high school than I do now, but I'm grateful that I have a different mindset now because I have a much more a broader worldview of things. And I know about certain topics that I can't even get into because I don't know enough about it or I'm not the type of person to have a conversation about it. History is history and I guess somewhat politics are really the only things I'm comfortable having a conversation about because I'm so ingrained mm -hmm. into it. And I've met so many different people. I've talked to so many different professors about it uh, and reading different histories and different philosophers and about their perspective of history. It's hard to not at least for, for me personally, it's hard to not want to learn more and to kind of just let myself like sit back and just listen. Because when I took the philosophy of history class, the one thing I said at the end of the class was, it seems like every single one of these philosophers is right. Oh, every yeah. single one. Yeah. It's hard to say that any one of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. Like when you read Nietzsche and like the, the genealogy of morals, and he's saying that our whole world is built on this master-slave dynamic and our whole sense of morality is based around that master-slave dynamic where the master is moral and the slave is immoral or the king is moral and the peasant is immoral you know when you talk about that it's like okay I can see that playing out today and then he and in the genealogy of morals Nietzsche mentions that it were the Jews who actually took this and said, no, it's the other way around. It's the poor man who's moral and it's the, mm -hmm. the Roman who is immoral. So the fact that we can take these concepts and flip them on their heads, it just adds more to the complexities of understanding what history actually is. <laughs> Somebody just walked by and put their hand up like I'm being, mind your business. <laughs> but um, that, and that just adds to the struggle of understanding what history is and how we utilize history in our own lives. I mean, it's, it's such a difficult task. And I think that it's kind of like if you don't know about politics, it's better off not talking about politics. Yeah, oh, totally. If you don't know about history, don't talk about history. 
I don't know anything about mathematics, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to lecture people on math. I know somewhat about science, but I don't feel comfortable enough talking about science. And, I, and I'd be a charlatan if I, I think, did. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It, it's kind of like if you... Just because you can get a certain virus yeah. doesn't mean that you are an expert on viruses. Exactly. It's, it's, it's kind, of, yeah. kind of like that. But it also doesn't mean that you should just simply swallow everything that's handed to you. That's it. You need to chew it up, spit out the fat, spit out the bone, and then, you know, it's not, it's not like if you're, it's not like you should just be listening to experts because they're experts. Right. But you need to listen. Yeah. You, you need to listen. And you, you mentioned something, um, maybe write down, think about the Americans and the British. If I were to teach a class about the American Revolution from the British perspective, yeah. people would say, wow, you know, they were actually right. They, they actually were right. Does that make you un-American? I mean, yeah. but, but people, people don't look at the other side. No. Yet when you look at the other side, you can understand why those people thought they were in the right. Mm -hmm. And that helps you understand your point. So I guess my point is, if you are, in the example I just gave, if you are pro-American, whatever you want to say that, and you study the American Revolution and you think the Americans won, it was great, it was, we fought for independence and freedom, that's fine. But if you can understand it from the British perspective and really understand their perspective, it makes your position even stronger. Right. If I can understand your position, it makes my argument even stronger. Right. Because now I understand why I believe what I do, instead of just being swallowing what I'm told. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's really, I'd say, when I got to college and I started to see different perspectives and understanding different histories, you know, maybe the perspective I was being fed was maybe one side too strong. But with my particular views at the time, it kind of brought me more so towards the middle or more so towards like what I would consider to be the area in which you need to be in to study anything. Mm -hmm. That you have to have a clear mind and you have to be honest with yourself. And nonconformity is important. It's really important because you can't just agree and say, oh, I was so wrong, oh, this guy was right and just agree with everything that they happen to say, because what if they are incorrect? It's so important to question every little thing. That's why I think it's great that we criticize our leaders, we mm -hmm. criticize our historical figures, and it does warrant a conversation. It's very, very important. So what do we learn from those things? Rather than just say, oh, tear the statue down, or oh, no, let's erect a new one, or, or let's go to this direction, we have a conversation and more of an understanding. That's way, that way everybody wins. That way we have an understanding of certain things. I mean, some things in history are, they're just permanently damaged. Some yeah, things yeah. are just, it's like, it's, it's too far gone. And I look at like, let's just go back to the Civil War, just because it's so simple, it's so easy to talk about um, with, with these topics of morality and the, the, the conversation of history. When I think about Confederate statues, it's like those were not supposed to be put up in the first place. No, they weren't. They, th those, they were literally, uh, protests by Union soldiers in written in papers saying that w you are not to erect these statues. And of course they did it because they wanted to reestablish, the South did it because they wanted to reestablish themselves as uh, the, I guess, in their eyes, the rightful controllers of the South and that they were not going to give in to what the federal government said and they were going to still violate the rights of citizens because that was their perspective. And 
But when you think about it in today's context, it's like the question of should they come down? And I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that some of them should, but the problem is, is that they have left such a negative mark on our history because the truth is that if you start taking down statues, where do you stop? Because if we're gonna have this blanketed idea that, okay, if any, anything that has to do with slavery is immoral must go, that means that a lot of things are going. Yeah. It means a lot of buildings are getting cha- their names changed, a lot of statues are getting taken down, even of people who could be considered abolitionists. Because if you go beyond abolition and say, no, it's not enough to just not be, I mean, he, yeah, he would are, go Are we too. taking him off the money? That's the problem, exactly. Are we taking him off the money? I, 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 and that's what you have to think about. I think also, um, yes, I do still carry cash on me because I'm old. <laughs> I do too. But um, you're what, a year older than I am? Maybe. <laughs> I, I just think that by, this might be an unpopular opinion, by keeping certain statues, for example, up, right, you keep the conversation going. That too. But I acknowledge that I'm sure I would feel very differently if, I were if my yeah. family or ancestors 150 years ago were oppressed exactly. by the person to whom right. that statue was erected. That's absolutely so that's true. So I acknowledge that completely. And it's and you have to, and that's part of being a historian. But some people don't. And that's the issue. They it's don't. like you have some historians who they go on like Fox News and they say that, you know, it's 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 kind of weird to me because I feel, and maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I don't know if, if this is right to do, but I don't think the founding fathers would be very keen on this, like just this, I understand a love for one's country. I, yeah. I get that. To me, patriotism is being mindful of your country. Yeah. You love your country because it's your home, but you have an obligation that when something goes wrong, you have to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not this nationalistic movement that seems to be like arising in certain parts of our country where you see a, like a pundit saying that, no, this is about American values. Well, what are your American values? Yeah. Are your American values acknowledging that these statues in the South, like that they probably shouldn't be there, that they weren't supposed to be there in the first place? Like I understand it's American history, and that's why I'm so apprehensive about the removal of certain things because that's a part of American history but a different part. It's not just yes. the Civil War, it's civil rights movement and what right, those statues exactly. mean. That's why but they were put up in the first place. Think about place. when they were put up. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, I, talking about statues, you, you guys know that this is unscripted so we're just kind of, yeah. I mean, I write things down but it's just from my own, my own, because um, I have ADHD which I don't follow <laughs> anyway. But think about these statues when many people say Oh, now they want to stare down the stat, tear down the statues. You know what the, who they mean by the they? Yes, they're talking about racial minorities. Exactly. They're, 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 they need to stop. We all know who you mean. Yeah. Even though I would bet money, I'm not a gambler, but I would bet money the majority of people behind removing statues are white. I would guarantee. Right. I would bet money. Uh, and that and that usually is the case. I mean, it's it seems that. What people like to do, at least non-historians or people who don't understand history, they'll take what they consider to be history and say, look what they're trying to do. And then they just spin a point and somehow that point becomes a campaign and that campaign gets this person elected and so on. So there's always a purpose behind it. You know, whether it be, you know, even if it's, it's morally just to take down a statue, before that even happens, I think that it needs to be a conversation and I think that it needs to be left up to people as to whether it should go down or not. Like, I don't think that the states should tell people what to do. I think that local government should keep it up to themselves. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's for the better. What if a local government wants to keep up certain statues? 
I wouldn't want to go to that place personally. Right. I want to stay the hell away. Maybe yeah. I'm not welcome down there. And it's a shame that that's the case. But that's just how it kind of works out. And when you have higher levels of government getting involved, you question, well, what does this mean now? Does this mean that the federal government has this power to say this and to do this? And clearly with what's gone on in the past couple of months, we do see, I would argue, some certain overreaches of power. And it plays into how do we handle it? Do we go back in history and see a time in which this happened? How do we respond then? It just seems like our country is just going in this direction, but it's just still going. I don't know, like, is this... Do you, would you consider like certain things that have happened? Would you consider them a bump in the road? Would you consider them a a step back? Or we, you know, like I I I think we're we're challenged. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in any any country's challenged, right? But if you look at this country here, um, there are a lot of people who, when I look back, I'm 47, right? So I remember my first election. I wasn't old enough to vote in 1992 because I missed it by a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but in, in 1996 I was. And I remember I was in college, I was at Monmouth because Josh is basically mini me, he's copying me. <laughs> yeah. We both went to Monmouth, he went to Monmouth, he's going from Monmouth to his graduate school. So nobody cared about the election. Right. Nobody in college talked about high school, nobody talked about politics. Nobody. So in that way, social media I think is good in that because it's so accessible, people right. are now developing opinions, and I think that's good. However, the opinions are being based off of what other people are just saying. Yeah, it's very, very, like, it seems to me that the extre- it's so extreme that when it trickles down to some people, yeah. it's like they might not be extremists, but they're definitely, like, you could say they're right or they're left or whatever. And it's like there's no, it's hard to have a conversation with some people like that because they don't, want to change their perspective and like uh, certain certain people that I talk to I mentioned to them about how you know the government has all this money they take all this money from the taxpayer and they spend it on this and that and we're driving on a road that's really bumpy why is that why is it not fixed how come it's not like this all the time and you start to see the wheels turning and they're like okay I kind of get that or they see five dollars a gallon for gasoline and they think, well, why is that the case? Now, of course, it's a very complex issue, and there's a lot of other things that come into play. But actions have consequences. Certain things have certain consequences. It's a, it depends on whether or not a person is willing to change their mind and say, you know what, I'm not going to go with this guy because this guy had allowed this to happen, or he didn't make any effort to change anything. But people don't want to change. It's so easy mm-hmm. to just you know stick to the status quo. Oh, absolutely. It's easy to vote column A and column B, and people have been doing it for for years. I mean, in the civil rights movement, a lot of white Americans they just didn't want to disrupt the status quo. You know, whether or not they were truly racist or not, they were probably just ignorant people who didn't understand the violations that were happening. They didn't understand that people's rights and people's lives are being destroyed and fear. And, uh, absolutely. They, 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 they saw, for example, the burning of cities and, right. so, and didn't want that coming to their community. Yeah. So we have to stop those people. And they assumed that they just kept voting the same way they did and keeping the same things that to keep them safe. And it doesn't because it never fixes the problems and people still get hurt. And that's that's the issue. So. A lot of it has to do with having empathy, and I think that's the biggest thing, as I mentioned earlier, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. If you could be empathetic towards people who are cuckoo, at least understanding where they come from, it will allow you to have a better worldview, so when you meet a person who's not cuckoo, but let's just say they're on the same side, but one's crazy and one isn't, 
you can have that conversation with that person and understand where they're coming from. But I'm laughing because you know this about me. I've had a hard time over the past few years mm -hmm. because I, I guess you could say in theory, and I guess in practice, I believe in and agree with a lot of, let's say, this, whatever this says. Mm -hmm. But some of the other people who believe, who agree, I can't deal with them. Like, like in other words, I believe everything that's written here. But there are people that I don't want to be associated with yeah. who claim to believe the same thing as me. Mm -hmm. Because where were they 20 years ago? They didn't vote. Right. I know they didn't vote. But now all of a sudden, they're saying they believe in this? Where were you 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. Where were you? So but my point in saying that is I try to give empathy to those people. Like, okay, maybe there's something going on here in, in what I believe that they now can apply to their lives. Maybe right. they felt d disenfranchised before. Exactly. Like yeah. Maybe they felt like they weren't part of the, of the electorate. Like, I can vote, but nobody is, is professing anything that I agree with. Yeah. But you also have a responsibility to do it with a little bit of respect, restraint, and yeah. decency, which and, I think is yeah. gone. I, I, I think I, I mentioned like all, you know, the gloves are off and it seems that, and mind you, only 60% of the country votes. Mm -hmm. Like the only reason why it was around 66% this time, this past election is because they just gave mail-in ballots to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's very easy when you get a ballot and it's like, all right, I can fill it out, no problem. So there's a lot of reasons for why it's only 60% of the country that votes, whether it be access to voting, whether it be People don't register once they get their license. There's so many different components that come into play. But the one thing that that, that is true, and, and, you, and you just brought it up, that 60%, it's, it's really just 30-30, and they're just, like, I don't, I don't know. They just, it's like very robotic. Mm -hmm. Very robotic, very just comfortable with their, their conditions. Yeah. They're fine with complaining, but they're not oh, yeah. fine with taking action. Mm -hmm. So I just, it's this laziness that, that happens, and I think it's just because people, and this is my personal opinion, people would not protest today if they couldn't put it on social media. Yeah, they I would not go to a protest if they couldn't take a picture and post it on their Instagram. It just wouldn't happen. Because if it, as far as people are concerned, if, it, if, if you don't have proof for it, it didn't happen. If you didn't see it, it didn't happen. That's what it is now. Morality has become a... Like a, like a brownie point, rather than just a standard. And mm -hmm. this is the standards that I mean. It's like, the standards that we should have is, don't be racist. You don't need to be an anti-racist to not be a racist. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, when you, I hear words like that, it's been, they bring it up in, in, in graduate courses as well. I, I question them like, so I'm not a racist. So are you saying that because I'm not, act, what, what does it even mean to be actively anti-racist? How, how does one do that? If you see racism, you are, Basic instinct as a human being with a good nature should be, you, you prevent that. Mm -hmm. You say no. If you see someone saying, you know, horrible things to another, like, to, like a minority or whatever, you step in and you stick up for that Absolutely. person because that's the right thing to do. It's not a matter of like, oh, I'm doing it because there's, I. You do it because you have to. Right. I'm thinking that people would only do it if there's a camera in front of them. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's become so trivial. We only do what the, the, what the people around us want us to do. Can I give you an example of that? There's, a, there's actually two examples in this, in this situation scenario. There's a restaurant near my house, very good, very well-known place. 
And I, I used to go there frequently. And I will say this, and this is not racist. Uh, one night I was in there with two friends, and an African-American couple comes in. I said to myself, wow, I don't see many black people here, because you just don't see many black people going to this restaurant. We sat down at the bar, it's about a couple of years ago, and they were treated so differently than the other people. Right. I mean, it was glaringly, it was obvious. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it was intentional, but it was obvious. Now, I don't mean to say that I came in like a knight in shining armor, but I said something. I said something before I left. I didn't say in front of the people, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm your white savior here. Exactly. But yeah. I said, to, I, I made it very clear before I left. And I don't know if, I'm, if it made me feel better that I said that, what, what I said, mm. but I had to do that. Yeah. I had to do that. It was just glaringly obvious. I'm not, I'm not saying you should get involved in other people's business. Right. But I think, I think that example, I, I acknowledged that, okay, you don't see many people who are African-American in this restaurant because you just don't. You just don't. But to then notice people who are being visibly treated differently. Right. And you know why. Exactly. You know why. You, you have to do something. Yeah. And it's a shame that we're even at that point. And but do I need to have way. Black Lives Matter t-shirts to, in order to, to be like that? No, I don't. And there's some people that say that you would need to. And, you know, I, it's, it's like, oh, why? And it's all about trends. It's always on social media. And I, I don't, I'm not, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be part of our history, social media. It's, we're going to be talking about it. And, you know, tweets will probably be, become very, uh, like, you know, primary sources for some things. And Instagram posts will be the same thing. The issue is, like, it seems like it's all about I'm morally superior to my neighbor, my neighbor likes this person and does this, you know, he's, he's the reason why we have high gas prices or he's the reason why there's fascism in America, whatever the reason is. It just seems like it's so com- combative in many ways and it's all for the sake of just being accepted. And I think it's good that people want to be moral. It's fantastic. It's great. But the humility needs to come in and say, time out. There's, that's where the double standard comes in. You're going to, you know, try and, and dox somebody because they believe this but that what you doxing them and you exposing them or ruining their life is not it's not a, a, a nice thing to do like we need to learn to treat our fellow human beings the same treat others the way you want to be treated it's the mm-hmm. golden rule and throughout like all of the like philosophers in history they sort of come back to that point as to well how do we progress history well you progress history by sticking with certain things that work and things that don't i mean it's going to have a natural progression like we have an ipad here we have a microphone here you know we we don't need a whole camera crew to produce this. I would love thing. that. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> but we don't need a whole camera crew. Yeah, right. um, you know, there's certain things that you kind of just don't go back. But the one thing that you have to keep, and that's from since the dawn of time, since the dawn of our species as human beings, is that we are sociable. We socialize. We have to treat. We treat the way. The reason why we're here today is because we treat others the way we want to be treated. We don't want to die. We don't want to suffer. We want to be happy. We want to be satisfied. That's what everybody wants. And if we understood that and see how in history people didn't respect those things and we have atrocities that are committed, genocides, wars, everything, and we see that with COVID, the complete lack of consideration for some people's feelings and the just the, the name calling and the, and the insults thrown for people who are, whether they're anti-vax or they want to get vaccinated, whatever, it doesn't really matter. The point is that the fact that nobody has the empathy anymore for their fellow man is just, and I say man as in human being, not human kind, yeah. yeah, 
fellow person. The fact that it's gotten so bad, and I, I only think it's gotten so bad because it's always in our face. It's always on social media, and the, the news outlets have nothing else to talk about but all the bad things. Yes, of course. So I just think that human nature really has never changed. It's just that that rule of that that golden rule. If we can keep an eye on that and understand that empathy is our greatest asset, that's how you fix things. That's how you put aside differences and come together and truly do what's best for everybody as a whole. It's like what they used to call reaching across the aisle. Yeah. Like um, I want to talk about something though. Being being open minded. Yeah. Like, like for example, you talked about like with COVID nineteen, for example, and people who are anti vaccine people for it, like wearing masks, not wearing masks. You can have your own views on things. Yeah. And still treat people respectfully. Exactly. You're, you're human. You're you're not going to. I mean, I'm a practicing Christian. I know you're not. Um, he's going to hell. I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not like that. But. When you're, of course, my mother would say, might say I'm not a practicing Christian because I don't go to church every Sunday. Right. But anyway, um, no offense, Mom. She listens. She's my one listener who listens all the time. So my point is this. You're going to, do, you're going to think bad things. You're going to say bad things. You're going to do exactly. bad things. Nobody, we're human. Yeah. You're going to sin every day if you, if, you, if you believe in that, right? But my point is, and I'm going to give you another example. I was, going, I was at the store the other day, and I'm walking in, and a family's walking out. They're all wearing masks. Right. So now we're in the parking lot. So in my head, not in my head, it actually came out of my mouth because this is what happens now at my age. I said, oh, I guess they're the mask family. So now I didn't say it so that they could hear me, yeah. but then I caught myself and said, well, it's, it's their business. You're not going to right. be perfect. Exactly. Nobody's saying be perfect, but you have to, not only study history, just in life that, that I've, I've, I've learned, but my, I'm not that old, 47, but you can't, even if you are, if you're listening to this and this resonates with you and you say, wow, I really do that, like I go on social media and I, and I, I don't research things and, and I make really ridiculous things about right. things I don't know about. You're going to, you're human. Exactly. You know, yeah. learning. And it's, and it's good that people do that in the sense that at least they're engaged. Of course. But the important thing is, is that you got to take criticism and you yes. have to accept the fact that you could be very wrong. I mean, there were, there's, even to this day, there's things that I still struggle with in my own head. But me expressing them should not either condemn me or praise me. It's yeah. the fact that I'm working on them. Like that's the idea when I when I mentioned that we have this like American idea that we have to work towards. Within our own selves, we have these ideas of what morality is and what virtue is. If you work towards those those things and just make them standards, like just be a nice person, don't be hateful, try and just like those type of things. They soon don't become like brownie points. They just become standards. And yeah. if you hold yourself to that, that's what integrity is. And you know, going with the crowd is, you know, it's it's tricky sometimes because is the crowd morally just? Is it really? Can we truthfully say that? Like, you know, and you hear a lot with the, the, all the rhetoric that's thrown around. Like when I hear people, they call them some people Nazis or communists. I'm like, I don't even think they know what a Nazi or a communist no, actually don't. is. They really don't. Or like even though like socialism's thrown around all the time. I wrote a whole paper on like why socialism didn't take root in America. And just it didn't happen naturally. And over in in, in Europe, in England especially, in eighteen in the eighteen seventies, the trade unions which were forming, their political parties that represented them in Parliament were the socialist parties. So when you look at that history and say, oh, no, no wonder they have the socialist whatever party in this European country, you can understand why it manifested. But when you talk about it here and you take those like that history and you try to apply it here, 
you get a much different response and people will call you this and call you that and it's like you do even know what you're talking about like it's not so like they always bring up the Soviet Union and they always bring up that but even the Soviet Union if you read about Yugoslavia they had somewhat broken off from the Stalinist uh, regime and they were their own thing if anything they were probably until their uh, you know dissolvement they were probably the luckiest of the satellite states because they had all these different rights and way of life that they had I mean there are some horror stories of course, of course yeah. but if you look at Hungary after the hung after the uh, Hungarian Revolution they had a they had a private sector in in their communist satellite state they had a private sector and they so it's not simple it's not people, people that's why I like that's why I like that word pigeonhole yeah people like to like to pigeonhole things it's not it's not all it's not all one way or the other. It's, right. it's not all right and wrong. That, that's why. That's why I really can't stand, and I, I, I realize why they do it. But they say, "Oh, red states and blue states." Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I would never move to a blue state. <laughs> why do you think everybody there is going to be a Democrat? Yeah. I, I mean, like, 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 I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah, it, it's it's a very, it. very straightforward mindset, and it's it's like I don't understand why someone would. Some people don't even want to associate with others because they have <laughs> political and I, the fact that it's politics that separate people. I mean, there there was something that I, I did here, and it's a really it's a decent argument, and it's that it may not bother you, but you have a responsibility because it bothers somebody else. So like, if you don't vote for a certain way because it doesn't affect you, mm -hmm. that's not good enough because other people, it affects other people, so you have to vote. Now, I agree with that, that sentiment. I think that's important. I really do. I think that, that is a, that's a true statement. But you still have to have respect for a person's willingness to kind of be, I guess, like apathetic. Because sometimes, the disenfranchisement's so bad that they just don't, they, they can't get involved. Yeah. You know, like I say, I, I like half kiddingly or whatever say that the 40% the of the country doesn't vote is probably the best of the country because they're the ones who, at least they acknowledge that until this cycle of just red, blue, back and forth is over, you know, I'm not voting. And I respect their choice not to vote. I, I, I like to consider myself as, as centrist as possible. But, you know, it's very hard to be because people say, well, your vote doesn't matter or that's a mm -hmm. waste of vote. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to vote with integrity because that's what I want to do. Right. I read up on who the candidates are and I'm going to vote that particular way. Whether I vote right, left, or middle, it doesn't matter. The fact that there has to be a middle, there should be like five different middles. I know. <laughs> I, um, I think when you look at party... Um, I, go, I wrote that word down because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know how many people are listening to this, or will be listening to this podcast, but I'm sure there are people, yeah. because of the way that we're, I, get, I will use the word conditioned nowadays, who will try to figure out what party is he. That's always, yeah. Like, 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 you know, like try to figure, oh, he's a this, he's a that, he's a whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think that there are people who would, yeah. who would do that because it's just such yeah. a part of identity. I have a theory behind that and it's that because humans are conditioned with like, of course we're conditioned with like love and, and you know, uh, fear. Fear is a very, very powerful thing. Yeah. So when you're, you're talking... Machiavelli, right? Exactly. Machiavelli. Yeah, it's better to be be uh, feared than loved. I mean, if you could have both, that's the best. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to be loved but if you have fear, you can control a whole population of people. And as long as you convince people that the world is ending, they'll vote for you. Mm -hmm. So when you have different people of different parties or different ideologies, even if it's religious, and you're trying to figure out what they're thinking, it's because 
you need to know whether or not you can associate with them because you're afraid of what they could do to you or whatever. And a lot of that's built on rhetoric. A lot of that's built on this, this notion that people are actually Nazis or they are communists and they want to hurt you. And it's sad because are there people like that? Absolutely. Of course. I mean, the Klan is still around today. There are neo-Nazis all over this country. There are many ignorant people in this country. Mm-hmm. But there are some people who are just ignorant, but they're not hateful people. Right. You know, they just don't know or yeah. they're just afraid. And those people should not be condemned. If anything, those people are the ones that you need to have a conversation with. Or there are people who are, dare I say the word, timid. Yeah. Like they, they feel like they have to fit in somewhere. Right. So, so they're going to see what, like, oh, I want to be part of that group. They look cool or they exactly. look whatever. So I'm going to, I guess I'll just identify with them. Yeah. And this actually plays great because I wanted to bring up like elitism and like institutions and things and how history is governed by institutions. It's governed by academia, it's governed by politicians, it's governed by all the people who have all the power. Mm. And especially with academia, and you know, I know I'm in graduate school, so maybe I shouldn't be saying things, but the fact that I have that thought process that maybe I shouldn't say certain things, it's not fair. I'm a student. Out of all the people who shouldn't be saying things, it's not me. Right. I right, have yes. to ask these questions. Yeah. I and I was and in some of my classes I've been very critical. Like there's this gatekeeping that goes on especially in history, where you have certain people who just read books all day, which is fantastic, but then they watch whatever they watch, and whether it's right, left, or whatever, they just go in that direction, and they use their knowledge of their, let's just say history, their knowledge of history to reinforce and to kind of bring credence to those things. And that's not good because then you have this logical fallacy where people are just going to use their credentials and say, oh, well, they said it, so it must be true. And it's like... It only drives people further and further away. And that's the biggest problem that I have is this, just this elitist mindset. I want to go into a classroom where it's just conversation and uh, an idea is thrown out. You don't have to agree with the professor. You, you can or you can't. It it's depends. It, but it's good that there's that conversation. It's so, so important. And that's just how it has to be. Because anything else from that, anything that's like just – I mean, I know there's a lot of rhetoric, especially from – I know we're picking on Fox News, but mm-hmm. they're easy to pick on. Um, that they always say like there's like a war on education where like teachers are telling kids that this is no I I, I never I, had that I know you don't I yeah. don't um I, I actually had an incident I call it an incident it really was an incident this year with a parent and and, and I mean you know from having as a student and knowing me personally I don't have parent issues yeah like I, I'm not saying that I'm so popular but I don't really do anything that parents would get like right. angry about um. But I had a parent question something that I was teaching because it had to do with a current event. Right. I teach history. I teach in eighth grade. It's called social studies. Yeah. It's, we have current events in Maybe. social studies, and she went actually on Facebook, oh, and course, she had yeah. a picture of something, and, and what really got me was that somebody showed me. Right. right, and and, and show me her Facebook page because I don't really use Facebook, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't look somebody up like that because yeah. I'm just not like that. But I looked and I said, with the think posts that you make, idiot, I agree with you. <laughs> if you actually called me up or sent me an email, I we're on the same side. Right. <laughs> if you look politically, I voted for the same person that you freaking did. And you're and you're condemning me as the exactly. the liberal. Oh, look at what these liberals are shoving down our kids' vote throats. 
I am the least. One thing I would never been called is a li- is a liberal. Right. I am liberal in many ways, but it was just so bizarre. I found it funny because it was like, is this where we are? That because this is my job and I ask kids a question, that I am now this. Exactly. I, that's the furthest thing from what I am. That's your job. You it, have to yes. have those those whatever perspective. But the fact that people don't even want it being like taught, oh. it's, it it really it's. I don't know. I mean, I I understand parents' concerns about like kids learning certain things. Oh, yes. But I mean, come on. It's so some things don't of, don't. I have the students for forty. I have them for like fifty minutes, forty nine minutes. Yeah. From from like bell to bell, so to speak. I don't. I wouldn't have time in my curriculum to talk about the things that they want us to talk about. Right. Let, let alone in a school day. Yeah. It's, it's it's not. Yeah, and then they but they label things that are probably very valuable, like. When I've see so like the conversation of like critical race theory, we talked about that in um, my my world history uh, course. Uh, this uh, was it this past spring? No, it was um, in the fall. And I we none of us had an had a definition for what it was. I did, Josh, I, I still don't one. know what it is. I don't either. I've been teaching for twenty six years going in this year. Yeah. I still don't yeah. know, and I've looked it up. I can't find a definition that I understand. Yeah, there isn't Maybe one. it's because I'm white. I, I don't know. But I don't I mean think that it is. I, I don't think it is. I ha- first of all, my whole, my class was all white, and I didn't. Nobody had an answer. Nobody had an answer. They they. Well, I guess that's not true. I'm saying they didn't have an answer because to me they didn't make any sense. My my. I guess what I took from it was if you study history that is not normally talked about, like I guess whether it be just like about minorities in, in American history, that's considered critical race theory or how it plays into where we've come today because of the uh, racist actions that have happened in the past. You know, that's, that's, that's a, but I've had that education though. Like I can arguably say that I, I was taught critical race theory. I had, we had those conversations about slavery. We had, we had that understanding. In my class, in, in eighth in grade. Your, yes. That's part of, but that to me is not, theory it's just history it's well, part of of the of the story it's part of the whole thing i just wrote this down when i learned what critical race theory was because we, we it came up in a workshop that we did yeah. at, at school we're not teaching it like in, in right. school where i teach it it's not part of our curriculum but it did, it did come up i said to myself okay i get it oh I already do that. Exactly. I, I don't. So the question that I had, I'll never forget. I was driving home and I'm saying, why is there an assumption that I don't do that? Why is there an assumption that I don't teach this? Yeah. Because I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. I, I, when I, I cook for myself every night, that's why I look the way I do. So, But if, if I'm cooking this nice meal, I'm not saying to myself the whole time, ooh, I'm making chicken souffle. Look at my chicken souffle that I'm making. I'm eating my chicken souffle now. Yeah. I'm cooking it, I'm eating it. Why, why does it have to have a name? And I think it's, that's when it becomes political, and then you can run on those issues. So it's like parents can say when they go to their school board meetings or their local town council meetings or their state assemblies and whatever, they can say, oh, I don't want my kid learning about CRT or whatever, and they don't have a definition to back it up what it actually is. And to me... If you're talking about not teaching about history, that's a massive problem. Because, for example, if CRT has to do with with uh, African American history, which is just American history, right? It, it, of course, it's American history. If you, if it happened here, it's part of this history. It's not separate. For someone to want to make it like it is separate, that's a pretty big red flag. 
It's part of this country's history. Slavery is part of this country's history. It is the biggest, deepest scar and has so many repercussions that have lasted to this day. And to want to deny that or to say that it's not, you shouldn't be teaching that because it's going to teach something, I, I don't know. Like I've seen a chart where it's like if you're an ally or if you're like a racist or whatever. I've seen them bring up charts or whatever on certain news, news stations and they said that's what CRT is. And my thinking is, well, what does that have to do with anything? I, I don't know. I think that there's some extremist things. Maybe some teachers do take it too far, but I, I don't think that's the norm. And just because that's one instance, it's, it's once again, it's a logical fallacy. It doesn't mean it's representative of the whole. You know, teaching people about history is, is, is important. And the whole history is, is the most important thing. So if that means it's something that your kid or that you didn't learn about growing up and your kid's learning about it, well, you should have learned about it when you grew up. Yeah. This is part of it. I'll give you an example of that in my in my uh, middle in my college students and my middle school students say this too. And if you're a parent listening to this, I'm going to preface it with: if you know about Columbus and you know what happened when the when the Europeans arrived, like the the rape and murder. I, I don't go that in depth with the middle school kids because yeah, they're just not old enough yet. Um, I tell them about it, but not not as in depth as it actually happened. But even they and the college students. Columbus is a great example to use. Yeah, here because is. people people always say, "Oh, I didn't learn that about him. I didn't learn that about him." Well, no, because you learn about him when you're in like kindergarten. You learn about him yeah. when you're like third grade. You learn about him in, like, like so. What are they going to tell you that the, the rape and murder, cutting off people's hands? Yeah. They're not going to tell you that as a little kid. And everything, They're not yeah. going to tell you that. But then my question is, when you got to middle school, why didn't they tell you? When you got to high school, why didn't they tell you? Right. Why are you a returning student in my college class who's 50 years old saying, "I never knew that they did that"? Why didn't anybody ever tell you that? Why? And I'm not saying I'm the best teacher. I'm not saying that, oh, I do all this stuff. I do do a lot of things, but my question is, why aren't other people doing it? And I guess this is a totally different topic, but I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and other history teachers who are listening to this might hate me. I think a lot of them don't know. Probably. I think there are a lot of people who, like, like any job, I think there are a lot of people who do their job that actually don't know what it is that they're doing or don't know enough about what they're doing, or just know enough to get the job done. Right. But I don't know. Kind of but but I, I, I would agree, though, and it, I think it has to do with this need to I be... I was very nice. arrogant just then. So I, I no, but I, I think then. I think it, it's correct, though, in the sense that people need to be right. People are expected to know things, and when it comes down to teaching history, at least, because nobody really knows what history is, and they just... They don't, they're not historians, and they don't appreciate history for what it is. They don't understand that, you know, you have to talk about everything. I mean, it's hard in 49 minutes or it's hard in an hour and 20, mm. but if you can fit it in, you got to fit it in because everything is related to something. You can't talk about Rome without talking about Egypt. You can't talk about uh, American history without talking about Columbus. It's so multifaceted and so complex that there's no, like, there's no straightforward answer. So it's very, very hard. And I think that at least with the idea of CRT, the reason why people want to have it implemented is because there are a lot of places where they don't teach about African-Americans' role in American history. They probably don't talk about it. If, if there's still schools in this country that refer to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression or they say that this is why the South did, but the South was, you know, th there's a reason for it and it kind of justifies it, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not good. Yeah, you know, and it's it's that's where you see this massive push to have like I guess critical race theory involved in the conversation. 
So maybe in certain areas it's very important because they're not teaching the whole history. And even if critical race theory goes beyond just teaching like about minority people's roles in history, mm-hmm. it's just that, that, excuse me, that race is a thing that has to be acknowledged. Exactly. I don't know anybody who does. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are yeah. people. You can acknowledge race. You, sh- you should acknowledge race. You, you should acknowledge um, differences, whether they're, they're, they're physical or, um, I'm saying genetic differences in people, whatever it may be. It would be like if you are that lady. I forgot her name. She did a study where she where she said that if you say to people, if people say to you, "I don't see color," mm-hmm. that's racist. Right, but like, like you know, what I'm talking about like, yeah. like the people who say, "Oh, I don't see race." Yes, you do. If you don't, then you're, you're a liar. Right. So, I guess if if they're if you're talking about critical race theory, meaning you're going beyond just adding um, into the curriculum, oh, let's talk about these black people. There, I guess there there are places that don't do that, I but so. I don't know why it everything has to become a buzzword. It's just, it's convenient, and it, it seems like an attack on the status quo, and I think that if, if, if it doesn't have validity, well, let me rephrase, it's given validity only because it could be utilized in a campaign. It could be utilized, at, it could be put on a sign and a picket outside of a state house. If they couldn't do it and they put in, couldn't put it on social media, it wouldn't be a word. That's why nobody's really attacking mathematics. But with history, because of, you know, this like need to kind of change the past like I don't even really know what changing the past does you can't change history the bloodshed from Columbus if that did not happen we would not be in this room today and people would not be on their cell phones doing whatever because he did what he did yeah maybe he didn't have to kill anybody but he did it and because he did it it led to another thing which led to another thing which led to people coming to uh, America the Americas and settling here and now we're here so you can't change that notice he didn't say America because Columbus did not did not no. even step foot in America. No, <laughs> um, I, I was, I was, when you said that, I was I was waiting. That's why. That's why I, like, why I, had, I was going to say New World, but I was like, well, it really wasn't that much new. Yeah. People lived there. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's such a it's such an interesting point because because it's such I wrote that word down hard topics because it's such a hard topic. Do we yeah. stop talking about it? And the answer I think is no. Yeah, you no. can't start. You can't stop talking about it because how do you know? How do we get a sense of morality? You can look at Columbus and say that guy was mass murderer he basically committed genocide you know and the priest that went 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 along with him on 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 the uh, on the journey there wrote down the things that he did you knew that yeah, yeah. most people don't know that yeah. priests were condemning people being slaughtered back then they there's always like there is one thing that it, it's kind of like the it's it's very debated where um we people back then had some standards. So right. let's just say the sense of morality of like don't kill people based off of their skin color. That may have been a, a moral back then, even if most people didn't agree with it. But the fact that it was there it existed, does that give us the right to say, oh no, it doesn't matter. They're like they're condemned because they had the same view back then as we do now. Therefore, we can condemn history. Does that give us the power to do so? Or is it still, like, you can't, it doesn't matter, you can't judge history for what it is, like, in your, in, your, in your perspective? I think that, so, if there were these, for example, Columbus, right, he's always easy to use. 
if there were these priests who were on the voyage and did did condemn yes. the actions of the Spaniards of the Spanish against the, the natives, since they knew it was wrong, mm-hmm. and there was that idea that okay, this is wrong, should we then condemn all their actions as wrong? They were horrible people because at least there was somebody at that time exactly. who knew it was wrong, it's so it must have been wrong. Yes, I think what happens is it, it gets overlooked because even Queen Isabella and I think King Ferdinand. When they found out about the enslavement of the people, they were not happy about that. Mm-hmm. But did the desire for wealth trump the, uh, the any kind yeah, of moral yeah. moral questions that they may have had about what the Spanish were doing? Because you could even take that into a different kind of like a, go a different route with it and say, "All right, so we sticking with Columbus. We take Columbus and we want to vilify him right. because of all these horrible things: the rape of the natives, the murdering of the natives, the enslavement of the natives." Did he physically, personally do any of it? Or did he not stop the Spaniards from doing it? Right. Like, like they would cut the hands off of natives if they weren't mining enough gold. Exactly. Did Columbus actually cut the hands off of anybody? But the, the point with, with him is he was, he was in power. Exactly. So now we look back now and we say, okay, well, he's the one who is in control. He should have done something by whose standards. The only reason, I'm going I'm to go on a limb here because I don't have any documented proof in front of me, the only reason I would argue that the priests were able to condemn it, criticize it, because they were priests, yeah. and the Roman Catholic Church was held in such a high regard. Yeah. If you were a, if you were a native person, you were condemning it. They weren't they weren't going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And there, there there's evidence of native of I'm sorry of priests in the New World who would smuggle natives out into the mountains to go and live away because because they didn't want them to become enslaved by the Spaniards. Right. Like helping funnel them out of the Spanish settlements. Because they were being used by, as, as uh, slaves, um, so I don't know. It, it's a hard question to answer. Just because there was a morality at a certain time, mm-hmm. does that give us the right six hundred years later to condemn those people? Exactly, and that's where it becomes like there was abolitionists before the, our country was created. So does that mean that we can condemn George Washington? Now, I personally think that. You can condemn the action, and you can condemn actions of a person, but I don't really think it makes much of a difference. I think it's kind of a moot point. You know, Columbus did what he did, but if he didn't wind up doing the other good things that he did by coming here, well, maybe it wasn't really, you could argue it really wasn't a good thing. Yeah, right. But the fact that he came here, we're here now. If he didn't do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So what does it mean to condemn? Do you stop teaching it? Do you take on all those statues? I don't. I really don't know. I don't. I don't really have a solid answer. I think it's a moot point because you can't change it. He think, did it right, and and I think there. One of my students this past semester. I would use his name, but I didn't ask him permission. Um, he mentioned something. He wrote a paper about um, Columbus, and he said basically there's a line, mm-hmm. and it's like you take somebody like. George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or somebody like that, you can understand why they did what they did. You can kind of look back and say, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said, that, and I teach it this way, that if you or I were back at that time Mm -hmm. and I were a wealthy Virginia landowner, I would have owned slaves. And anybody listening here, it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, black, white, Hispanic, if you were a white property-owning male in Virginia in the 1700s, you probably would have owned slaves. Mm-hmm. 
So if you were that person, you would have done the same thing. The line comes in where it's like, okay, if you go back to Germany prior to Hitler, right. you can understand why people were angry. The economy was in, yeah. in the shambles, right? You can understand why they felt emasculated. Their army was pretty much taken away. You're not allowed to defend yourself. You can understand why they were angry without actually saying Hitler did a good thing. Exactly. So you can understand the past without saying what these people did was right. Mm -hmm. Because if nine times out of 10, I'll use that, nine times out of 10, if you put yourself in the position of those people in that time, you would have done the same thing. Because it's human nature. It's and human that's, nature. Where, that's where the themes of like history come into play. And that's the sad yeah. part. The sad part about history is that you can be as arrogant as you want and be on your moral high ground as much as you want, which you should be on a moral high ground. But to be so arrogant and ignorant to think that if you lived back at a certain time that you would do things differently, that's just shameful in a way. Yeah. People are products of their time. When people say, and this is not, this is not my, uh, my I, I didn't, I agree with this perspective, but I, I didn't come up with it. Like people are products of their time, or like they're ahead of their time. You know, like Da Vinci was ahead of his time, or the Beatles were ahead of their time. No, they were products of their time. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for why they are who they are. You know, maybe their perspective at the time kind of sets forth this new perspective that everybody else follows, but there's a reason for that because they came from what they came from. So there's a reason why people joined the Nazi party. There's a reason why people were fine and ignored people being slaughtered and rights being taken away. It's human nature. It's just part of our code that we just need to kind of, we need to like figure out to like dilute those negative parts about ourselves. That's why empathy is so important. That's why understanding history is so important because, you know, we don't want history to repeat itself, but there's good things in history that sure. they need to repeat itself. There's, there's a lot of great things. And, you know, history does not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. That's, that's, I yeah. believe it was, was that Mark Twain or? It rhymes, it rhymes, yeah. right? It rhymes so it. it's, it's, you know, that's just how it is. And I think as long as people acknowledge that and know that nothing is so simple, nothing is so straightforward, it's just, it's so, it's just, <laughs> I, you'll, you'll find this quote funny. I, I thought it was funny. It's like, life is not black and white, but it's just 50 shades of gray. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's it really, true. It, but because it, it's so, it's so, I can't even. It's like talking about philosophy. It's like it's like questioning one's existence. How like you question life after death, or like what is life, or you think about the galaxies just expanding infinitely. And you're like, wait a minute, that that hurts my head. That's yeah. what history does to me. Yeah. Yeah, you you read a history book nonstop. It's like, oh my goodness, it's just, it's it's too much. And that's why I think that, you know. It's a, you have to be very, very responsible with history. It's so, it's, I, I, I you know what? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna give it an answer. That's, that's how complex it is. It is, and, and I, I'll, we can even gonna end with um, something I've had students say to me in the past, college students and middle school and eighth grade students, this is so depressing. Yeah. Like, they're like, this is so depressing, but because it can be. And, and another student once said, um, I'm, not, I'm not quoting her, she said something to the effect of, I come into class and I leave with more questions than I got answers for it. Like, like, because that's, it's, because yeah. that's what it is. And that's, that's all it is. And it's like, it, it's, it's tough, but that's what happens with history because it's not a science. You have to interpret all the information that we happen to have. And, you know, 
you uncover new things and say, oh, well, look at this new document. Do we take it? Is it real? Is it legitimate? How do we even know? I mean, we're just, we're not making it up as we go along, but we're trying to figure out what the, what it all means. Um, and, you know, is there really any lessons in history? I, like I said, aside from, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated, it, that's really like the only one that I could think of that can truly be a lesson in history. Because you can look at World War I and say that happened for absolutely no reason. 20 million people died for no reason. You can just say that. Because what, what, what did it bring about? It happened because Archduke Franz Ferdinand was, was assassinated by a terrorist organization and then they blamed the whole country and yeah. Serbia brought in his ally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you think about how it happened and you're like, but that was pointless. And you can say that it was pointless. Like that, we have that privilege to say that it was. But the entire class of Munich that died in World War One doesn't have the ability to say that it was pointless. Mm -hmm. They're dead. Right. You know, that's the privilege of history that we have. That we know that that can happen again, and we shouldn't happen again. Yeah. You know, it's we are so fortunate to live in this world today. To know, to have like at least an understanding of right from wrong, but. It was. I look back at history and I just think it, it was real. A lot of things were a lot worse. Oh yeah, then. a lot. It was, worse. it was a real shit show. You couldn't talk Excuse about certain things. No, but it's true. Yeah. You couldn't talk about things in the civil rights era. If you, if you were to be sympathetic towards the, the morally just side and say no equality for all, you could lose your job. You can lose your whole livelihood. That's how people were back then. They're no different than they are today. Mm -hmm. Now it's. It, it, but to me, it's just. I don't know if it's going to change. I hope that it does. I just think that we're kind of figuring out how to be responsible with all this information that's out there 24-7. So it's like when you see like an injustice committed and you see it right on your phone, how you respond to that. You know, like back then, how did people respond to it? Today, they respond to it differently. Like, oh, now they just send like, oh, this is terrible, and they repost it. And that's, that's their way of being an activist, so to speak. So it's just, history is all about figuring out how to move on from here. That's that's probably my, my best definition of what history actually is. I think, I think that's, a, that's a good definition. I, and I think another thing to add to that is that there is no definition for it aside from, oh, it's a study of the past, whatever. Okay, that, yeah. that, that's fine. But I think it's important to understand that when you study history, you're not, you're not going to get answers. Mm -hmm. Because when you study history, it's said that... Um, if you don't study the past, the past. If you don't, what is it? You don't study history, doomed to repeat it. Yeah, people are repeating it anyway. It exactly. It doesn't so make it's, a difference. Because it's, it, it, it's just human nature. You right. just do that, and you know, it's like with all the philosophies that I, that I, I had learned about, I agree with almost every single one of them, and they have some different opinions. They all they they don't all agree with one another. They just mention different aspects of history or different aspects of philosophy. It's like, well, are they wrong? Mm -hmm. And the fact that so many different people can have different perspectives and all be somewhat right, that should only reinforce the, the importance of having an open mind yep. and listening to one another and being empathetic and being respectful for, towards different opinions. My only goal is to just know more about things. My only goal is to be the smartest version of myself. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I hear everybody. And I yeah, mean sure. the crazies and the people who probably don't even really have an opinion, but why don't they have an opinion? Right. They, they're important. To what we said before, um, learning about other people's opinions only strengthens yours because mm -hmm. then, then you get then, then you can figure out why you think differently. Exactly. Yep. All right. So we'll end this here. With this. Um,
I have a feeling we're going to have another one of these. Probably. Aside from the Tom's River War. Absolutely. Yeah. So coming up, you'll see Josh again on the Battle of Tom's River, which we'll do pro- probably by next week, I would say, right? Yeah. Right? So this is good. This is a little bit of a break from the usual New Jersey history stuff. Anything anybody wants to add, uh, email is njhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Also on Instagram, I think it's njhistorypodcast. Yeah. I don't have any. I, I, I think it I, is. I really, I'm bad with this stuff. <laughs> um, Josh is going to show me how to, what are you going to show me how to do with the video? Oh, I can, I'll show you how to make it like, like an actual, like you cut things up and add stuff. Oh, to how it. to cut things up, like edit. I guess yeah. so I don't know how to do that. So he's going to show me how to do that. So um, if you see any of the videos that become really like state of the art, <laughs> it's, it's not anything that I, he showed me how to it's, do it. It probably won't be from me either, though. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be pretty pretty intense. All right. So please uh, feel free to reach out. And I wrote this down before. If you can, if you can figure out what party I am, I'm curious to see what you say. <laughs> and it's not independent. 